Turn to Luke chapter 5. Time for a turnaround in here. It's time for a turnaround in your life. We got people need to turn some things around in here. We're going to talk about turning it around today. And uh, if you don't need to turn around right now, file it. There's going to come a day you're going to need to turn something back around. We're talking about turning it around. I love this passage. You don't know how many times in my life I've gone back to this passage to find out what to do when I was in a mess. Anybody ever been in a mess? I'm just wondering if my life ain't mess to mess to mess. And in my line of work, all I deal with messes. I used to drive a truck. All you had to do is get A to B. Now I deal with messes. That's what I do for a living. And this passage has brought me back so many times to where we deal with messes. We're going to talk about a turnaround today, how to turn things around. I love this passage. And uh, it's a passage about fishing. It's not why I love it, though. Oh, that's pretty cool. Do you, don't you find something in there that the first four people Jesus chose to follow him were all fishermen? Talk to me. All right. I just No fisherwomen. Fishermen. And here's the deal. This passage is not about fishing. It's about your life. And it's about when things screw up. It's about when things are not going like they're supposed to. Has anybody had anything in life that went like it wasn't supposed to? Let's read it. Luke chapter five, verse one. It was as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God. He stood by a lake called Gennesaret. He saw two boats standing by the lake. Fishermen had gone and they were washing out their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down in the boat and taught the multitudes from the boat. You don't understand this with the culture we live in, but you got to remember something. This year, back then, they didn't have PA systems. So how are you going to... He spoke to crowds of 5,000 people. How are you going to speak to thousands without an amplifier? Right, if, you, if, you, if you're a fisherman, you do know this. Still water is an amplifier. I've been on a lake fishing when the water's still before. Somebody a quarter mile away, just say something and I can hear it. Water's an amplifier. That's the reason he did this. All right, Jesus has got a crowd and he won't speak to them and they're a little unruly like all crowds are. This, if you ever, I don't know if you've been there or not, but this lake, it comes off of a mountain and it slopes down to the water. So what Jesus wants to do, he wants the people sit on the hill like an amphitheater. He says to Simon, put me in the boat and let's row out and get some distance, maybe 30 yards. And that'll give me some distance and the water will amplify my voice up to the people. You got it? So that's why they're out there. So they, the people, he said, y'all be seated. They seated and they get in the boat and don't think... John, Lowe's John boat. These weren't dinghies. This was a 26, 28, maybe 30 foot wooden boat they used for fishing because you had to have your equipment and your hands in there. So they get in there and they, because no motors back then and they, and they row it out. They get out. And Jesus said, this, this is good. This is good. So Simon just cocks the boat sideways, I guess. And Simon just sits there. Well, Jesus sits there and Jesus just looks at the people and he's talking to them. All right, that's why they're out there. I right, watch this. And uh, verse four, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. All right? Jesus gets done teaching. He said to Simon, I'm done. Take me back. So he rows him back to shore. The boat gets up on the shore. And, you know, Jesus is climbing out of the boat there. And Simon's climbing out. And he, he just stops. He looks at Simon. He says, go back out. Go over there. Put down your nets again for a catch. All right, there's something you don't know that there's a problem here. Uh, Simon's a commercial fisherman. He does this for a living. He's not a recreational fisherman. He's a commercial fisherman. Jesus is not a fisherman. He fishes for men, but he's not a fisherman. So Simon's a fisherman. He knows how to fish. 
He's got an itinerant preacher. Listen, Simon was not a follower of Jesus now. Later on, he became the chief apostle, but he's not even following Jesus yet. This is just, he's fishing. And this, they know he's a preacher. They've heard some strange things about him. People are saying crazy things about this guy. He shows up, wants to borrow his boat one day. So they get back and they're getting out. And Jesus just stops and says, go back out. Get your nets in your boat. Go back out and drop your nets to catch something. All right, he just told him and he's going to tell him we, we got done fishing all night. All right, um, something you can't see in here. This lake is like a lot of Mediterranean, I mean, Middle Eastern lakes. It's, it's crystal clear. You can see a dime on the bottom of the lake. You don't fish during the day. You have to fish at night when the fish can't see you. So it's daylight now. And you're going to see in a minute, Simon's going to say, we fished all night, caught nothing. And Jesus says, go back out now. Well, if you're a commercial fisherman and you're talking to a preacher and he tells you to go out, what's the first thing you think? Crazy. I mean, it's foolish. Why would I go out and it just don't work like that? Because, you know, here, I don't know if you knew this or not, fish can see. Don't know that. Earthworms can't, but fish can see. And if you, if you throw a net and they can see you, they'll move out of the way. So that's why you have to fish at night. He tells them, go fish during the day when the fish can see you. And uh, so he's talking to him. All right. Verse five, Simon mastered, says, answered, verse five, Simon answered, said, master, we fished all night and caught nothing. What did he just tell him right there? I'm the expert. This ain't the time to go fishing. Uh, we're not doing well. Nevertheless, watch these words. At your word, I will let down the net. What did he say? Because you told me to, I'll try again. Everybody say that with me. I'll try again. I will try again. All right. He's going to try again. And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish. Their net was breaking. Nets busting. They signaled to their partners in the other boat. Remember, there's two boats. Who owned the other boat? Now, Simon and his brother Andrew owned this boat. Does anybody know who owned the other boat? Who were their fishing partners? James and John, who also became apostles. So they, they said, they're hollering. Come, come, come out here. So they come out there. Watch what happens. And uh, they, uh, verse 7, signaled their partners in the other boat. Come, came and they filled both the boats. They began to sink. Let me ask you a question. You got two boats, 30 foot long. These are wooden boats. How many fish would it take to sink two boats that big? Not hundreds. I mean, this is the biggest payday of his life. I mean, it's just, right, we've got a theological question we've got to answer because if we don't answer this right, nothing goes right today. How many of you think God had something to do with them fish getting in that net? If you miss that, you miss the whole point. That's the whole point of the story. If you miss that, you miss the whole deal. How many of you think it's because Simon got lucky? No. Go home. Don't listen to me anymore. God whistled. I don't know if he whistled or not. If you miss this, you miss the whole deal. God put those fish in that net. Are we in agreement there? We got to be in agreement or my sermon's ruined. God put those fish in that net. And it was breaking they, said, they just sunk the boats. All right, verse 8. Simon saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees. Obviously, he had to get back to shore to do this. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me. I am a sinful man. Are you serious? I would have said, Stay here. Come back tomorrow. Let's fish again. <laughs> Why would you tell the man that just gave you the biggest payday of your life to leave you? The language is struggleable, struggleable here. Look at it. Struggleable. 
He wasn't saying, get out of my life, God. He was saying, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm a sinful man and you would do this for me. You would help my family like this. You would work a miracle for me, a sinful man. He, wasn't, he didn't want God to leave. He stayed with him the rest of his life. He was just overwhelmed that God would do something that good for a man who didn't deserve it. Now, Simon's not a disciple now. He's not a follower of Jesus. He is a commercial fisherman. Does anybody here know any commercial fishermen? Probably not. You wouldn't be in church. I got some friends of commercial fishermen. They're rough. As grandpa used to say, they're rough as a cob. They're rough. Simon's a rough man. He's a, he, after three years of following Jesus, he still cussed. What do you think he was like now? He was rough. And he is so shocked that God would be so good to a man that's this screwed up, this sinful. And let me show you where we want to live. Verse 9. He and all who were with him were astonished, which means shocked, at the catch of fish they'd taken. You ought to live in verse 9. You ought to live saying, I'm just shocked at what God has done for me. I'm astonished at what God has done for me. All right. I'm telling you, this is, by the way, this is not about fishing. This is about marriage. Raising children. Getting your life together. Building a business. Being successful. Four truths. Number one, failure is never final with our father. Failure is never final with our father. Has anybody here ever failed? All right, I got some of the right people in here this morning. Verse five, master, we fished all night, caught nothing. Verse two, they quit. Their boats were at the shore, they were washing their nets. Again, he's not a recreational fisherman like me. He don't catch fish, his family don't eat. This man now owns a failing business. How's he going to pay his bills? How's he going to feed his children? His business has failed and he's quitting. Uh, you know, he, he's done and he just, but it's, it's not, it's not final. Dear ones, I know people who have screwed up. That's what I do for a living, work with people who've screwed up. But dear ones, just because you screwed up, that's not a final failure. I've been saved three months. I, I, was a, I was lost. I mean, I was lost with a capital L. Some of you was lost with a little L, but I was lost with a capital L. I got saved and uh, I start learning this Jesus thing. I've been saved three months and uh, I got invited to a party. I didn't know you weren't supposed to go to parties. I didn't know all you could do is go to church and listen to George Beverly Shea albums. I didn't know. They didn't teach me this stuff. I'm trying to learn the Ten Commandments. They didn't tell me you couldn't go to party with sinners. Jesus went to party with sinners, but no, not the rest of us. So I go to this party. I get invited to a party with my friends. I didn't know you. I thought you had to keep, I thought it was okay to have friends. I didn't know you had to get rid of your friends. And I go to this party and it's a normal party. And I think I drank beer. I think I had one, maybe two, maybe just one. I don't know, Budweiser beer. I'm drinking beer and went to the party and it got done and went home. And, uh, Two days later, the man, who, the minister who was mentoring me, he found out about it. He called me. I'm gone. I, he said, I cannot believe you did that. And I said, did what? <laughs> I'm brand new at this stuff. And it turns out I failed. And uh, he said, and he said to me, God will never use you again. He told me that. And he said, furthermore, don't ever call me again. Uh -uh. I thought, dang, well, it don't matter. I wasn't going to make it anyway. If this gets you kicked out. That's just one of my many failures in my 40-some years of following. I have failed. I've told my wife I'm sorry so many times. She thinks I've had a legal name change. I mean, it is on, buddy. 
But let me tell you what I've learned. I, my favorite, one of my hobbies in life, I started this years ago when I was 20-some years old. I love biographies. I don't read romance novels. I've got enough romance in my life without them novels. I read biographies. I love the biographies of great people. And I love to read it and find out what made them great. Why'd they change the world? Why'd they do this stuff? Let me tell you what I've learned after reading hundreds of biographies. Let me tell you what I've learned. It's not how smart you are. Some of them are not that smart. It's not whether you're born with a silver spoon or not. Some of them were born in the worst conditions. Ben Carson. It's, it's not your giftedness. You know what I've learned about people that makes all the difference in the world? What's the one common element among people who raise great families, start great businesses, great military? What's the one common element? They get back up. They know if you, you can't stay down, you got to get up. Everybody fails. Got to get up. The fifth gospel. I've learned things from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Rocky. Y'all familiar with the gospel according to Rocky? Not Rocky 132, Rocky 1. What did you learn from Rocky number one? You don't have to have an Italian accent. You have to get up. When you get knocked down, you got to get up. That's the story of this book. You got to get up. All right, I'm fixing to give you an illustration. It's hokey, but I'm going to tell it anyway. You think I'm lying, you're going to say, that's hokey. Right, years ago, there's these two frogs playing on the front porch, hopping around, having a big time. I told you it's hokey. And their front porch is like my grandma's front porch, real high, and you just fell off down there. And uh, they're hopping around on the front porch. They decided to jump off the front porch and go play. So both of them jumped off the front porch. They didn't know grandma had been churning butter because my grandma used to sit on the front porch and churn butter. You young people know what churning butter is. Got this big old tall vase like this, ceramic, straight up and down. You put milk in there. Not the pasteurized stuff you get in the store. It won't churn. It's got to come straight from the source. Got the cow. And then you got to stick with a plate on the bottom and you do like this for a while and eventually it'll turn that stuff into butter. Y'all thought it grew on trees. That's where it comes from. <laughs> so they jump off and have them, both of them jump into that butter churn. Grandma would walk away to go check on the child and both of them in this milk now. And they try to get out, but the sides are slick and it's straight up and ain't nothing to do. Well, one of the frogs said, that's it. We're doomed. It's over. Might as well just give up. And he sunk to the bottom. Dead frog. The other one, he's in the same mess the first one was in. It, it looked as hopeless to him as it did anybody else, but he just said, no. And he began to try to climb up the sides and holler for help. Apparently the other frogs were playing, wouldn't listen. And he's hollering for help and he's struggling and he's kicking and he's doing the best he can. He, he just kept kicking. Within 10 minutes, he had churned that thing into butter. He's sitting on the page, just hops out and goes on his way. I told you it was hokey. I don't know which one was smarter. I don't know which one had privilege, but I know one of them gave up, one kept kicking, one kept getting up. Dear ones, let me tell you something. It is not about who's smart. Failure is never final with the Father. Get up. You, you got to say what Simon said. Simon said, at your word, I will try again. Say that with me. I will try again. Let's say it again. I will try again. That's the gospel. I will try again. You, you just got to make up your mind. It doesn't matter. We've all failed in personally. People are failed. Listen, marriages and families are being destroyed today. It ain't final. It ain't over. Businesses are, we're in just a day of crisis today. It ain't final. You got to know that. When something like that happens, you, you got to make a choice. Dear ones, you got, God will not make your choices for you. That was good. God will not make your choices for you. 
but he will honor the choice you make. And when you fail personally or your family's in trouble, or your marriage fails and your business is in trouble, your life is a train wreck, you've got, to make, you've got two choices you can make. I will stay down in despair or I will try again at his word. I will get up. And you've got to make a decision. You've got to decide what you're going to do. Let me tell you what this Bible tells me. You serve a turnaround God. From Genesis to, to Revelation, what do you see all through there? He turns things around for people who will do something. And that is, at your word, I'll try again. Number two, <clears throat> a turnaround always begins with a word from God. Turnarounds always start with a word from God. Look with me in verse four. Verse four says this, he stopped speaking. He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. What caused this man to try? This man had quit. His business failed. What caused him to try one more time? What was it that sparked it? What caused it? He heard from God. God spoke to him. A word from God is where you always turn things around at you. Now listen to me. Simon had fished all night. He's an expert fisherman. Logic said, you're an idiot if you go back out there. He'd tried everything. He'd done it the right way and failed said, you're foolish if you go back out there. Listen to me. You've listened to your circumstances long enough. You've listened to your emotions long enough. The hardest thing I teach people is when they say, I just feel like, I just feel like. The hardest thing I teach people is quit feeling yourself. <laughs> your feelings lie. I, there's nothing wrong with feelings. I got them. I just tell them to shut up all the time. Amen. There's nothing wrong with, your, with having feelings. Don't listen to them. You say, I just feel like, who cares? God's word has got to trump your emotions. Quit listening to logic. Listen to me. Quit listening to other people. What do you think could have happened if he said, hey, John, John, John was his partner. John, I'm thinking about going back out there and trying again. What do you think John would have said? We ain't partners no more. I ain't going to be a partner with a man who wastes gas. Dear ones, you've got to quit listening to other people. Oh, when God told Moses, you're a fugitive and a convict and you've got a speech impediment, go save two million people at 80 years old. He said, Moses said, what if they, and God said, did I say anything about they? You listen to me. You need to quit thinking about what other people say about something. Listen, let me tell you what you need to quit listening to. You need to quit listening to the devil in hell. You need to quit listening to the voice of discouragement. We ain't going to make it. They ain't no use trying again. Give up, lay down, die, sucker. You need to quit listening to that. You need to hear the word of God. You need to hear the voice of God. And you need to make up your mind that you're going to listen to him. It's time to hear God. Now, dear ones, I was told by experts, yada, yada, yada. I've been told bad things all my life since I was a child. But I decided to, let me tell you what y'all to do. Let me tell you what y'all to do. I decided to buy me a Bible and see what God says about it. I was told by the head man in our denomination, you won't make it as a preacher and we wouldn't hire you to have one of our churches. I was told give up when I started. I didn't say anything to him six years later when I happened to be pastor in the largest church in his circuit. Far be it from me to point it back to you again. Dear ones, you got to quit listening to people. You have got to listen to the voice of God. Listen to, listen to me. What does God say about you? What does he say about you? 
You say, Brother Brown, don't you think I know me? I'm beginning to wonder. Unless you say stuff like this, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Unless you're talking like that, you ain't talking right. Then when turnaround starts with the Word of God, it starts with, here, it starts with him, what he's got to say. Say about yourself, I am predestined. He knew me before time began. He chose me. I have a destiny. I am a champion. And you need to, everybody, everybody say this. You need to say this. There ain't nothing wrong with me. Say that with me. They ain't nothing. I'm so, hang on, hang on. Now that we got Grace Christian Academy and all them teachers, there is nothing wrong with me. Say that with me. There is nothing wrong with me. You say, how do you know that? Let me tell you something. If you ask the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer. Let me tell you the dumbest question you'll ever ask in your life, in your head. Don't you ever ask this question. Don't you ever ask, what's wrong with me? Don't ever think that and don't ever ask it. Because God's not going to answer you. He don't know what's wrong with you. But every devil in hell will line up to put something in your head and tell you what's wrong with you. So don't ask. you got to say what he says. Get in his word and find out what he says about you. Let me tell you something about your family. I don't give a rip what's going on around. You need to find out what God says about your family. Your marriage is not supposed to be a battleground. They didn't but one man in this room know that. This is not the war where you sleep with the enemy. Talk to me. Start saying what God says about your marriage. Start saying what God says about your children. Quit listening to the devil in hell when he tells you your kid's going to get in trouble. He's lying because he's a liar. What do you expect him to do? You're supposed to be successful in your endeavors, in your business, in your ventures. God created you to be good to you and to bless you. Jesus died so you could have abundant life. It did not say, I am come that their life might suck. It does not say that. That he might prosper you in everything. You got to hear what he's got to say. All right. Number three, a great turnaround always requires a great risk. Are y'all ready to take a risk? I've never understood why Christian people are the most risk averse people. Everybody in the Bible had to take a risk. I want you to read this with me. You got to take a risk. Verse, verse five, read this with me. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. We've failed. It ain't working. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Did he say, at your word, I will try again? Is that what he said? Say that with me. I will try again. Say that with me again. I will try again. Risky. He's going to look like an idiot, isn't he? He's going to be in trouble if it doesn't work out. There was no risk, no faith. You know what this is called? He was not saying, I'm a great fisherman. He'd already proved that the night before. You know what he was saying? I'm going to try it again, and this time I'm going to trust God. Is that not what he was saying? At your word, because you've told me to do this, I'm going to try it again, and I'm going to trust you this time. There's a big difference in I am great and God is great. There's a big difference in I know how to do this and saying I don't know what to do, but if God be for me, who can be against me? There's a big difference in I'm real smart and God is real good. At your word, I will try it again. There's a risk in that thing. You're going to look like an idiot if you fail. You're going to look like an idiot going out there anyway. So what does it matter? What does anything matter except what God thinks about the situation? You're called to take a step of faith. Listen, I don't care what the people say. Start over. Get up. Listen to me. Listen to me. Failure is never final for people who will say, I will try again. 
I had a friend, he's gone to be with Jesus now, and I loved him dearly. He just wanted him, you ever met one of them people just cool? He was cool. He was old, but he was cool. How many of you can be old and cool? Shirt tails out, I'm cool. <laughs> Tell you why I said, I got, I got, all my kids are hip, but one of my kids is really hip. I mean, she's a hipster. And she says, she says Daddy, I'm, I'm, she tries to be nice about it. She said, just because you're 105, you don't have to look like it. <laughs> all right, but anyway, he was hip. He was born in Pennsylvania, lived in Pennsylvania. He had two great loves in life. One was baseball. One was fishing, excuse me, trumpet playing. Got fishing on the brain this morning. He loved baseball and he loved trumpet playing. He wanted to be a baseball player. And so that's what he went for. And he was good. And he was uh, drafted by the Braves, got on with the Braves, Atlanta Braves, played in the minor leagues. But he said, it didn't take long for me to figure out you a minor leaguer. And he said, I realized you ain't never going be on Turner Field. You just, you ain't gonna make it to the top. So he said, I just gave that up and I decided I didn't like the cold weather. So he hitchhiked from Pennsylvania to North Carolina. Y'all you know what thumbing is? Well, you younger people don't. We was young, we did it all the time. You get killed now. Back in, we used to thumb everywhere. And he thumbed to North Carolina because he had heard of a business opportunity here. Plus he wanted warmer weather. So he came down here, started a business, everything going good. And he's playing his trumpet in bands and, you know, clubs and stuff like that, doing great. And he loved God, he just loved the Lord. And uh, he met this woman fell in love. That boogered everything up as it usually does. That messed everything up. They fell in love. They got married, yada, yada, had, had their 2.4 children. Everything's going great. And they're going along good and everything's fine. How many of you know that lie and they lived happily ever after? We need to quit telling our kids that lie. We need to quit reading that stuff. They ain't but three, two or three marriages ever lived happily ever after. I think Bob and Betty died or did it. The rest of us are having to struggle through. They did not live happily ever after. One of these, one, the, the arguments got more intense. The fights got hotter. And one day she packed up and said, we're done. Life don't always work out like we wanted it to. She left him. She divorced him. He still loved her. And he prayed. He said, I, I want her back. I just don't believe that it's over. There's always a place of tension between what you see and what you believe, what you see and what you feel. And he hung in there and he prayed year after year. I never know that after three or four years, you might all just say, well, <laughs> 10 years went by. He saw a friend one day and said, I saw the, his, your, your wife, ex-wife, said she had a diamond ring on, said she's engaged to somebody else. Now, how many of you know if that woman left you Ten years go by, she's engaged to somebody else. It is time to cut the rope and move on. You're, you're frog number one. <laughs> there is a God in heaven and in this earth who is for me. And he said, I just kept praying. I said, God, I've read your word. That's my wife. I granted I wasn't perfect. Who is? Men, is there a perfect man here? I expected to hear female voices. <laughs> Can I get a witness? You don't have to be perfect. He wouldn't have nobody to help. He kept praying. He called her. He said, I hear you're engaged. She said, yes. He said, you're my sweetheart. I love you. I want to marry you again. You talking about a risk? The police pick people up for doing that kind of stuff. That's called stalking. You can't call somebody else's woman and say that. 
He said, I just kept praying. She said, it's not going to happen. He said, I'm going to keep praying. God, you don't have to be smart. He prayed and God honored. I mean, it was sometimes it looks stupid, but you just got to make up your mind. I am not going to lay down. And he prayed. God touched her heart. She began to get uncomfortable. God, I love it when people get uncomfortable. <laughs> he began to trouble her heart. He turned her heart. They got married again. He was the trumpet player in our church for years till he died. Earl, his name is Earl Thompson. I'm telling you, you've you got to reach a place in life where you say, I know it looks like there's no use. I will try again. Say that with me. I will try again. Dear ones, God is waiting. He's always watching for somebody who has failed and been brokenhearted and been busted to say, I am not going to lay down. At your word, at your word, I will try again. I told you I read biographies. I just, I love biographies. I'm reading three right now. <clears throat> one of the greatest ones I ever read, one of the most inspiring I ever read, young man got out of school and he didn't go to college. He took a job as a clerk in a dry goods store a long time ago. Took a job as a clerk in a dry goods store. And uh, he was a hard worker, industrious young man. He's smart. But he was a young man. He, he had ambition. He thought, I don't want to just work for somebody else. I want to own a place like this one day. And so uh, he kept working and he worked hard and saved his money. I'm going to say that again because America needs to hear that. He worked hard and saved his money. That's the old-fashioned way. Worked hard and saved his money. And he found a store for rent in Kimmagee, Wyoming, a building for rent. Now, you know, that's a great place to start a store right there if you can get both families to come buy something from you. <laughs> he started a store. He worked hard, saved his money. And he said, you know what? Let's do it again. He did it again. He started another store and he thought, we can keep doing this. So he began to open stores and over 30 years, he ended up owning 1,400 stores, mostly in the western part of the country. At 55 years old, he owns 1,400 stores. He decided to get in the dairy business, went to Florida, bought 120,000 acres, you know, go big or go home. Started a dairy, which I, I forget the name of the dairy that it became, started a dairy. And at 55 years old, he's doing great. He's helped a lot of people. He's 55 years old and something happened. Much like happened this year in this nation. 1929 happened. Any of my history folks know what happened in 1929? The Great Depression hit. The stock market collapsed. Guess what happens in stores when the stock market collapses and the depression hits? They went down. 55 years old, he lost it all. He poured everything he owned personally and borrowed money trying to keep it afloat. Nobody kept anything afloat during the Great Depression. And he lost it all. And it, you, you got to understand, he's 55 years old. That's not old today. Back then, the lifespan in this nation was 62 years. I mean, 55, 75 now. He's an old man then. And he's lost it all. He became so depressed and the stress of trying to keep it flying broke him physically and emotionally. He was put into a, back then it was called a sanatorium. Today we'd call it like a rehab facility because his health had broken. He's in this rehab facility and he's so depressed. He, doesn't want, he had it all and he lost it all. How many of you know you can do the best you can and things still screw up? You can do everything right, quote, as a parent, your kids still get in trouble. Ask Billy and Ruth Graham. 
sometimes think the question is not why did that happen? The question is, what am I going to do now? We got to get off asking why. You ain't going to get the answer anyway. We got to start asking, what do I do now? And he was so broken by, by losing everything. And uh, he's walking in that sanatorium one Sunday morning and he went down the hall and he heard music and he walked and he stopped and they had a chapel in that little sanatorium and they're having a little service. And he stands out there and he hears a song, a lady singing a song called God Will Take Care of You. Mr. what might under his loving wing abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. He will take, he heard that song, it touched his heart. He walked inside and sat down. He heard the gospel of Jesus. And he said, on that day, I decided to believe in God. And he trusted Jesus and trusted him as his savior. And he invited Christ to come in his heart. He began to follow Jesus. Well, you know, a newfound faith, something happens on the inside. And in his newfound faith, he began to hear this voice. He began to hear this in his heart. Then this voice came to him and said, try again. You know, 55 years old, you're an old man then. And no money. Didn't have a dime. Try again. With what? I mean, that's as dumb as telling a professional fisherman, go out there in the day and fish. Try again. And he said, something down here just said, that's called God. Friend, when you hear the voice of God, something down here is going to go, come on. Because he's the God of hope. He don't just speak for information. It's like he speaks to your heart. And some of you need to hear him. And he he said, you know what I could do? I can borrow money against my life insurance policies. If we lose it, mama's going to be broke. <laughs> Mine ain't. Mama's going to be broke. He borrowed money against his life insurance policies and start over. He was 55 years old. He lived to be 96. He worked every day of his life in his office until the day before he died. But he made this covenant. He said, God, I'm going to start over at 55, broke. He said, I'm going to try again, but this time I'm going to do it trusting you. Try again, trusting God. Say that with me. Try again, trusting God. Different. Different from that, I'm smart. He tried again, he trusted God, and he made a covenant. He said to God, he said, uh, I'll give you 10% of everything I make if you'll bless me. It's on when you say that. You don't even have to pray about that. I'll just open the book and show you that. He said, you give me, I'll give you 10% if you'll bless me. God blessed the fire out of it. His business grew. 96 years old, he had reversed the tithe. He was keeping 10%, giving God 90% when he died. Blessed beyond measure, blessed people beyond measure. Started a lot of other people. By the way, let me, let me throw this in for free. 1940, he hired a young clerk to work in one of his stores for him. And he saw in this young clerk what he saw in himself. He saw this boy's a go-getter. He's smart. He said he wants to do something. He personally began to mentor this young man and bring him along, knowing that one day he'd leave him and go do his own thing. And sure enough, one day he came in and told him, said, I, I thank you for what you taught me, but I really want to have my own store. And he left. He said, bless you. Go start your own. God bless you. That's what I do is help people get started. And that little boy started his own store. And he did pretty good. His name was Sam Walton. 96 years old, God turned it around for him because he heard the voice of God and said, not, he didn't turn it around because he heard the voice of God. He turned it around because he heard the voice of God and took a risk. He said, I'll try again. Tell me his name. Uh, you got it. Somebody knew it. James Cash Penny, J.C. Penny. If I ever retire, which I ain't, if I ever retire, I'm moving to Florida. I'm going to live in the J.C. Penny Retirement Home for Retired Ministers. He loved preachers. 
Not because the preachers are there. I promise you that. It's because the fishing's great in Florida. <laughs> I, I could go on and on telling you places. Uh, dear ones, the day you quit, try, you die. The day you quit, try, you die. We got folks sitting here, they're involved with our Living Free program. And uh, these are guys who've had a rough time. And uh, I don't know whether y'all are going to make it or not. I don't know whether you'll make it or not. If you'll just promise me every time you fall down, you'll get up again. I promise you, you'll make it. He will meet you if you'll just get up. I don't care where you've been. He will meet you if you will just get up. You, you just can't. You just got to try trusting God saying, I, at your word, I'm going to throw it out there again. All right. One more thing I got to teach you and then we're done. This is, very, this is the most important part. God blesses faith in action. Faith in action. All right, we're going to ask some more theological question here. And you got to get this. Now, Jesus said to Simon, go back out. Try again. Go right over there. And Simon had to, you know, he couldn't just go out there. He had to get his help. They had to get nets in the boat. Them nets are huge. Got to get all the nets in there. They had to go out there. He threw the nets. Did God fill the nets up? We already settled that. How many of you think God put the fish in there? That was the largest payday of his life. He had a business that was failing. God turned it around in one day. I had to fill it up. Now, let me, here's my theological question. Could not the God who whistled, work with me here, whistled and told them fish to get in that net, could not that same God have had them fish swim to the shore and just jump out on the beach at Simon's feet? If you miss this, you're missing the whole thing. I mean, I believe God's big enough to make his fish swim to the edge of his lake and jump out on his sand. Why didn't he do it? Why didn't he do it? Dear ones, you're always going to have a part to play. If you don't play your part, he won't play his part. Now, if he don't play his part, good luck, Jack. Unless the Lord builds the house, you're laboring in vain. But if you don't do your part, what if Simon had said, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pray and trust God to fly the fish over to me, flying fish. He'd starved. He'd have never received anything. You got to do your part. God honors faith in action. Listen to this in the book of James. Faith without works is dead. You cannot imagine what he's planned for you, the goodness he'll show you. You've got to do your part. He filled what they cast. They had to cast it before he could fill it. All right? Listen to me carefully about your personal life. For instance, I mentioned living free. Jay and Christy Doss, God put it in their hearts years ago that he wanted to help people. And we're going to start a place and we're going to help men that are struggling with drug addiction. Did, has God blessed it? Does anybody know if God's blessed it or not? All right, let me ask you a question. Did God go out there and buy that land? Did God renovate that farmhouse? Did God build that dormitory? Did God turn the lights on? Who did that? God blessed their faith. They had to buy the land. They had to spruce it up. They had to buy the chicken to feed the boys. But God put his hand on it and blessed it. You got to do your part. All right, my kids are grown. We've been blessed beyond measure with our kids. Are you with me? But listen to me. And I believe I give him all the glory. I believe unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain. God's blessed our kids. But listen to me. God did not train up my child in the way he should go. That was my job. God did not model character for my children. That was my job. I had my part to play. 
I had my part to play, but God blessed it. That's what life is. I throw the net, he fills it up. That's faith in action. That's what it's called. Now, I've been blessed beyond measure. I wasn't only saved after I got out of religious crap. I'm sorry, this, this, this is a bad language day for me today. After I got all that religious stuff, I realized there's more to it than just being mean and going to heaven. I knew there was an abundant life. There was a spirit-filled life. You could be free. You could live with joy and peace in the presence of God. I knew that. Listen to me. God gave me his word to do that. But you listen to me. He did not read his Bible, my, his Bible for me. Thy word you have hid in my heart. Oh no, thy word I have hid in my heart. God has answered my prayers. Say amen. amen. He never prayed them for me. Are you catching on? I had to pray my own prayers. Let me tell you the only prayer he can never answer. What is it? The unprayed prayer. That's good. I'm going to say it again. The only prayer he can never answer is the unprayed prayer. He cannot have faith for you. You got to step out. Dear ones, I throw the net, he fills it up. Are you with me? If you want God to bless your business, you, you say, Lord, I'm, I'm trusting you. We need to bless our family. We need to, I want to start a business. He ain't going to rent the building for you. He ain't going to turn the lights on. He's not going to order the stock. You can sit on your fanny. God, this is not my day. You, you can sit around and do nothing all your life. God don't bless wishing. God blesses fishing. So quit wishing and go fishing. How many of you know Simon wished he'd have caught some fish before he finally went fishing? I'm going to say it again. God don't bless wishing. The Bible talks about people who wish and never have. He blesses fishing. He, he'll answer your prayers, but you've got to pray them. He'll bless your children, but you've got to obey him and raise them. He'll give you a... You know the reason I don't have to read romance novels? I'm living in one, Jack. I don't need to read no romance novel. God have mercy. I've been practicing safe sex for 39 years. I'm going 39 more. With the same woman, I need to point out in this line of work. You got to do... Listen, he can only bless when you throw the net. How many things are waiting in heaven for somebody to get in that boat? Oh, my goodness. My part, his part. All right. I'm going to quit by saying this. He is the God of turnaround. There is something you can hear from him that you can take a step of faith on and he will bless it. You know what he's saying? Son, give me something to bless. Give me something to bless. This church has been blessed. You know why? God is good. I gave him all the credit and praise. Anybody that knows me and you knows that. I'm telling you, God blessed this church beyond measure. We've seen lives changed here. But I want to make an announcement. He didn't build this building. He's paying for it. He didn't build this building. He didn't turn on the lights today. He's not running the camera. That's Tommy back there. Let me see. That's Tommy. That ain't God. He's running the camera. <laughs> God don't preach the gospel. He blesses the gospel I preach. Are you getting this? I got my part. He's got his part. If he don't help me, I fail. If I don't fish, I go home empty-handed. I want to make an announcement. He's, he's for you. God is for you, but you're going to have to be the one to get up because he's a faith God. Years ago, my son, uh, he ran something called cross country. You know what cross country is? It's where you go running through the woods. 
and uh, they'd run through the woods and stuff like that. Well, we'd go watch them. Well, it's not like football where you can watch the whole thing. You can watch them take off and maybe watch them come by and watch them finish, but you can't watch the whole thing. And uh, he's running cross country. We went to, I think, uh, the, one of the meets with the final meet, something, championship, something. We go out there, and of course, they're all dressed, and they all take off, watch them take off, We're, where we can watch them come by again. So we're all standing around waiting, and uh, I, they're coming, and the coach was telling me, he said, he said that, that's Beggar's out front, isn't it? And he said, yeah, it is. And he's coming up there. Well, he's coming. He's going to come running by me here because he, I can't run the race for him. I mean, I can't run the race for him. <laughs> As a time I could, I held the record for the half mile in the city of Charlotte. High school's at one time. I can't even drive a half mile without having something to drink now. I can't run for him. Even if I could, he's got to run the race. The Bible don't say God will run the race for you. It says, let us run the race that is set before us. We got to run. All right. But he's coming by there. And I thought to myself as he's coming by, I hope he don't win. I hope he finishes dead last. He'll learn from it. Have I been listening to too many Baptist preachers or what? I'm going to get killed. So he goes by and I go, you're not going to make it. You're going to lose. Good luck. Do you think so? You really think so? I saw him coming over that hill. I said, come on, boy, come on. You can do it, son. I'm cheering for, I want him to win. Every father wants their kids to do well. I'm cheering for him. Where'd you get this weirdo thing that somebody's sitting in heaven saying, you're not going to make it. I'm telling you, listen to what the Bible says in numerous places. Romans 8, 31. If God be for us, don't worry about the who's against us. That don't matter. You just know he's for you. If you could hear heaven's voice right now, you'd hear him saying, come on, son. Come on, sweetheart. You'd hear him say, get up, get up. You'd hear him say, try one more time. Launch out into the deep. Don't quit piddling around in the shallow water. Launch out into the deep and try again at my word. I know you failed. I know you're discouraged. I know it's failing. Get up and let's go. He's a turnaround God. Somebody in this room needs to turn it around today. Let's pray together. Where's, where's Melissa? Melissa, where you at? Come up here and play for me, sweetheart. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I love you and praise you and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the goodness of the Lord. The simple message through an imperfect preacher this morning is get up. Failure's not final. And I love you. I praise you. Lord Jesus, at the award ceremony in heaven, I will win the prize for the man that had to get up the most times. No doubt about that. And I'm looking forward to it. But I thank you and praise you. There's somebody in this room this morning. There are numerous people in this room this morning. They are beating themselves up and I pray in the name of Jesus this morning, Father, they would hear you say, get up. And in the name of Jesus, they need to tell the enemy to shut the hell up because that's where it's coming from. And they're listening to the enemy of their souls talk about their families, their futures, their careers, their health. And in the name of Jesus, I declare you need to tell your enemy to shut up. And they need to turn their heart towards you, Father. I pray in Jesus' name. I believe you speak faith into people's hearts this morning. I don't know why, Lord Jesus, but the, the folks that live in fear on my heart this morning. Speak to them and say, try again. And if you fall down, get up. 
Every day of our lives is a new get up, Lord Jesus. I pray for people to get up. All right, Lord Jesus, we want to pray over families right now. People are struggling with kids and family situations. Thy will be done. Tell people to keep believing and to launch out. I will try again trusting you. I will not let it go. Career-wise, Father, there's people getting old in this room and there's a voice saying, you need to get creaky now and crabby and sit around. If they're not dead, you're not done. And you have a vision for them. And they need to be about their father's business. I just pray speak life. I trust you for that. Father, I'm going to pause for a minute now and let people think and listen to you in their hearts and in their heads and let them decide what they're going to do. Two choices. I'll just poke along through life or I will get up and start again. I trust you for that. Career, marriage, personal, friendships, dreams, dreams, dreams. I just trust you speak to people. I praise you it is never too late with you, ever. I worship you and praise you for being the turnaround father. I love you and I give you all the praise and glory. I don't know the how. It looks crazy, but I hear you saying, let's go. Get up and try again. I trust you for that. Jesus be glorified in everything we do. Some of you sitting in this room right now, like J.C. Penney, you, you came by a chapel service by accident and you've heard the voice of God this morning. Now you need to decide to follow him. Let's do it right now. You need to follow Jesus completely. You do it by accepting him as your savior. He died on a cross to be good to you and save you. But you've got to make the choice. You need to choose right now. I'm going to follow Jesus. Talk to him. Say a simple prayer. Let me help you. Say it like this. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross because you love me and you want to save me. I ask you to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. Take them away. I turn. I trust you. I don't understand this. I may not know what to do, but from this day forward, you are my Savior, my Lord, and the lover of my life. Teach me how to love you. Walk with you. I'm following you, Jesus. From this day forward, I'm following you. I accept you today. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. If you prayed that, raise your hand real high where I can see it. Put it up real high. Thank you. Put those back down. I give you all the praise and glory for your goodness. Lord Jesus, thank you. I don't care what's going on in the land. I don't care what's going on on the TV. Thy kingdom come in every life, every home, every heart. Thy will be done. In his precious name I pray. Amen.